Welcome to another episode of the Philly Sports Today podcast. I am Graham Simpson. As always, Twitter user Slayburner24 is with me. We are fresh off a Sixers Game 6 win in Atlanta, forcing a Game 7. Man, that was, that was a very interesting game. A lot of stress, a lot of violent mood swings. But hey, we got the job done. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we got the job done. It wasn't the prettiest game. Um, I know the mood of the whole fan base, including myself, was not really excited going to the game. It was more just nervous. And after the last game, it was kind of like that game was such a disaster that no one was really confident at all. But they came out on top. And I think really the first thing we need to talk about is Tyrese Maxey and how he performed in the biggest game of his career so far, which is a short career, but one rear. He got 30 minutes, which was well, almost 30 minutes, which was more than Benson's. He was a plus 12 with 16 points. He had those two deep threes, or one of them was disallowed but it doesn't matter because he's still hitting insanely D3. And, I mean, he's a rookie, and he's making these insane plays. A ball handler next to Ben Simmons in the lineup has been huge, who Ben Simmons was horrible this game again, and he was horrible last game. So I think we could see a lot more Tyrese Maxey going forward. Like a game like this where, again, he has more minutes than Ben Simmons because he's a li- Ben Simmons is a liability on offense. And even his defense on Trey Young, you could argue was worse than Tyrese Maxey's defense on Trey Young, which is – insane because Tyrese Maxey is not supposed to be a good defender out of college and he's improved on that the whole season like Doc Rivers said so yeah I mean it was a whole team effort but I just love what I saw from Tyrese Maxey that entire game are you gonna put Tyrese Maxey in the starting lineup would you put him for game seven over Furcon so I don't think Doc Rivers is going to do that but yeah I would 100% do that I just think he first off he works well with Ben Simmons as much as we want to hate on Ben Simmons he works well with Ben Simmons in the lineup that is a good lineup and I also haven't really been impressed with Furkan at all. I mean, he obviously he's not going to be going off for 20 points or having an insane shooting spree, but I just haven't really seen anything from him. I mean, I don't think he's really helping you in the lineup at all. And you've seen when Maxi's played minutes, you're usually a plus whenever Maxi's playing. So, yeah, again, I don't think I don't think Doc Rivers is going to change the starting lineup at all. I think he would put Matisse in the starting lineup before Maxi, but because he likes Maxi coming off the bench, but I would definitely put Maxi in the starting line for the next game, if it was me, but I don't think it's going to happen. No doubt. Maxi brings a type of energy that is new to us. Uh, he, he, he can take over a game by not really doing much, and which is great to see. And him, from a rookie, to get this type of production in the playoffs is kind of unheard of. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of it's fallen into our laps, and we, we don't deserve Tyrese Maxi. Like, how, how he fell to us is just absurd think about it every day and what Ben Simmons has been doing let's talk about Ben Simmons what he has been doing is unacceptable mm-hmm. everybody knows that uh there's there's no secret to that we've kind of seen this you know we've seen this dwindling down slowly but surely to where we've reached an apex of where you have basically 97 99 percent of 76ers fans against one guy and it it's get it, it's become a, a big problem uh, there's no doubt about that. I think that majority of uh, the Sixers fans want him out no matter what the the outcome of this series is. And I'd say about 100% of Sixers fans want out if we do lose this series. And I think changes will be made if we end up losing Game 7. But Ben Simmons has has the ability to show up and lock down a player like Trey Young. And he hasn't really been doing that since earlier in the series. 
and this is the type of thing where if Ben, ben Simmons has his back against the wall, he has his back against the wall, no, no doubt about it. How do you see him with all this drama and, and being the most hated player in Philadelphia right now? How do you see him faring up against Trey Young in Game 7? Well, I mean, listen, we've seen in Ben Simmons' career when he has pressure on him or he has a lot of critics on him, he's usually shown up, and it hasn't happened this series. I mean, like you said, earlier in the series, his defense on Trey Young was very solid. Game one, we saw that whenever he was on Trey Young, he was stopping him, and then Danny Green ended up guarding him, then he wasn't stopping him. And then game two, we saw the adjustment, and then Trey Young had a a lesser game. Obviously, Trey Young's always going to drop 25-plus or 20-plus, but he at least shortened his impact in that game. But in terms of offensive game, I don't know what it is with him. He can be a good player on offense. He can be shooting jumpers, He can, which is not even the biggest deal. It's not even jumpers at this point. It's literally just driving to the basket and shooting layups. There's, there's times where he drives to the basket, and instead of just shooting an easy layup, he kicks it out and either turns it over or gives it to Furcon in the corner for like an awkward possession where he's you know, stepping out of bounds because he has no room because Ben is passing him, but he's not expecting it. I mean – giving it to bias with low short, uh, short on the shot clock. I mean, it's just, it hurts to watch this because we know his potential. And even if you want to hate on him, you know, he still has that potential to be a superstar. Maybe he doesn't care. I mean, I see a lack of effort sometimes like the difference in effort between Tyrese Maxey and Ben Simmons is kind of insane. So if you're asking me the question, is he going to step up? I think on defense, he'll step up in game seven, but on offense, I still think he's going to be a liability. And that's, why we're going to have to play Tyrese Maxey more because on offense, he isn't a liability. And the Hawks did hack a Ben last game or last game again last night. And I don't remember what he went from, but it wasn't, wasn't too good. It wasn't for that long, but he didn't shoot that well then. He had, oh, yeah, he was two for four, which is 50%, but it's only four shots and he missed two of them. So, and Tyrese Maxey had some clutch free throws yesterday. We saw that, even though I don't think he's really billed as the best free throw shooter, but he was clutching the, he had two for two uh, in the clutch and one for two before that. So, I wish so much that Ben Simmons would just show the next game in game seven in front of the Philadelphia fans, just drop 25 and a triple double and just show prove everyone wrong and then give people confidence going into the Nets or the Bucks series. But I just, I, there's no, I have no confidence right now that he's going to do that. Yeah. And this is, this is our chance really like <laughs> we got a banged up Bucks without DiVincenzo and they're kind of, proven to be one dimension one dimensional at sometimes and inconsistent and then you've got a banged up nets team who if kevin durant's not hitting every shot known to human man it, uh they're they're not looking too fond uh and then you've got this clippers without Kawhi, and you've got uh the suns without chris paul for who knows how long and th- this is our shot and uh Ben Simmons, I think he realizes the moment, no doubt. He has to realize how big this moment is. Game seven, one or go home. You got to protect your home court. And it's just, the, like you said, the layups. Like, you, mm-hmm. you're not taking – forget jump shots. You're not taking layups. You're not taking the highest percentage shot in the NBA. He's, there's, no, there's no excuse. He will never be forgived for missing – uh, 10 free throws in that ultimate collapse uh, in, in game five. He'll never be forgiven for that. Maybe if he, went, if he plays incredible in the finals and we win the championship, then maybe. And, then, and, and I was thinking about this this morning, and I do have irrational thoughts about Ben Simmons all the time. Maybe this is just another 
another one of those. But uh, I thought, is, is, can we? Like, I I can't even guarantee that in five years Ben Simmons will be a better player than Tyrese Maxey. No, I don't think so. I can't, I, I I literally don't know. Like yeah. I I honestly believe Tyrese Maxey will be a better player than Ben Simmons in five years. Maybe even in shorter time. Yeah, I mean, like, honest, I, from what we've I mean, seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I but like by the time. Ben's, Ben's contract's up, or, or and, uh, Ty, and Tyrese is still on the team. Uh, I, I seriously think that Tyrese Maxey will be a better player than Ben Simmons. And I don't think this is a hot take from what we've seen. We've got to realize Tyrese Maxey's a rookie. He didn't make an all-rookie team, uh, which probably deservedly so, because there were some rookies that played a lot more minutes than Tyrese Maxey did. And Tyre, like, it, it, he's a guy that that's come into this Doc Rivers system. He's bought in. He's worked so hard. I mean, you see his IG stories. He's in the gym at like 6 a.m. And it's insane of his worth, his worth ethic. And it's just something that we can grab a hold to. I mean, like he, he's a part of the city. Ben Simmons is, is not. Like Ben Simmons doesn't have the personality that Tyrese Maxey has. He, it was someone like, like Joel Embiid. Like he's, he's Philadelphia. Joel Embiid's Philadelphia. Ben Simmons is not. Tyrese Maxey has a connect with the fans already that Ben Simmons uh, only wish he, he could have. And it, going forward, I mean, you may call me crazy, but Tyrese Maxey is going to be a very big star in the league, and I want him on my team to see, to see him grow. If I would hate it if we had to package a young player and to trade Ben Simmons and it's Tyrese Max. That would be so heartbreaking. Well, I think we have to look at it from the bigger picture, to be honest. I mean, this is the last thing I'm going to say before we talk about Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, all that stuff. Yeah. But I think, I think it's like Ben Simmons, you have to think he knows. At this point, he has to know that he's kind of playing for his Sixers life right now. And maybe, maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he wants to go somewhere else to, I don't know, L.A. or – which I don't know why LA would even take him at this point, but LA or some other team or some other contender in the Western conference, maybe, but it's just that I don't know how he can have no urgency right now. The urgency that Tyrese Maxey has in his first, in his like first playoffs ever, this is his second playoff series. And he didn't play an incredible amount last series. And even doc was saying in his press conference that earlier in this series, they were kind of discouraged by Tyrese Maxey because he didn't play very much in games three and four, because in games one and two, when he played, they weren't really impressed because they helped the Hawks game plan against him, which I think was true. But you have to see that he's adjusting to his game. I mean, he knows he knows the Hawks defense now. That Doc said he was watching film with Sam Cassell all the time. And I just don't know if Ben Simmons is mentally there. Maybe he's maybe he's sort of emotional because he knows that this could be his last game as a sixer. Maybe last game he thought that, but which is ridiculous. I mean, you're an NBA player. We should get over it. Like it's not a big deal. I just don't think Ben Simmons is mentally there. I think it's it's a mental thing with the free throws, with the layups, with the jump shots. I don't know. I don't know what's up with his offensive game. I just, at this point, it has to be mental. It's starting to make me really angry, to be honest. And the whole fan base is angry at him. But like you said, Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey, like their personality is like complete opposites. Like Tyrese Maxey is Philadelphia, exactly like you said. He's a Philly guy. He always gets standing ovations when he comes in. I'm sure if he started on. Uh, Sunday, he'd get a huge ovation during the starting lineups being announced. So, I mean, I don't want to keep harping on about this, but Ben Simmons disappoints me so much. And it makes me so mad about it because I was so high on him. And to see this right now in the playoffs when this is our best chance to win the finals in, I don't know, 
not only like two years, but still best chance to win the finals a little bit. So since his career, I think this is the best chance to be in the, to make the finals since he's been on the team, but I don't know. It just, it's again, it just sucks to see completely. Yeah. And like they're polar opposites, like, like, like we've mentioned yeah. and, uh, it's getting where like and in play style too. They're yeah, we play like, play, in play like style. yeah, we play style. Like even when like if, if Ben Simmons does the same thing Tyrese Maxey did, I'd be way more excited when Tyrese did it. Like it's getting to that yeah. type of point. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're just like Ben Simmons is just doesn't like he he's just never had the connect. And like Tyrese Maxey is a down to earth guy. He he works really hard. He he practices every type of fundamental. He's gonna be in the gym, and then you got Ben Simmons, who is no no doubt about it. I mean, he's an he's an arrogant guy. Uh, he's got a he's got a pretty large ego. Uh, he's been told that he's gonna be the best since he was like twelve years old. Uh, and he he sits around and of course he he practices, but he's uh he, he's streaming whatever he does in his free time. Like no like not putting that against him he can do whatever he wants he's a grown man but it's just you, you, what you do has a consequence with your fan base and that's with every team in the NBA and what Tyrese Maxey has done this season gives me no reason to hate him to have to to think that he's not that he doesn't belong here uh that that we can't trust him uh, in the fourth quarter of games or that we can't trust him to improve over the off season because he hasn't shown any, he hasn't shown us that like, there's no reason for us to believe that that will happen. Ben on Ben Simmons. On the other hand, you have every single reason to believe it'll happen. It's the same thing over and over again. And quite frankly, I'm sick of it. And I don't want to, mm-hmm. I literally, I do not want to go through the pain of having to take our max contract player out of a game because he can't make free throws, right? Like that, that's unacceptable. That's unheard of. Why that happens baffles me. And it's just, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm fed up. I've, I've, I usually defend Ben Simmons with my life. And uh, he's been one of my favorite players. I fell in love with him. I knew his potential. And we've been just, defending him on this it, podcast. Exactly. It's just heartbreaking. It really is that it's come to this. Yeah, I just want to finish it off by saying Ben Simmons, when he exited with three fouls and two points in, I believe, the second quarter, is either first or second quarter, he was a minus 15. And then Tyrese Maxey comes in and gives you nine points and eight rebounds off the bench or six rebounds off the bench with. I think he was a plus eight or something like that. I'm yeah, reading if, this off a John I, Clark tweet, so I'm just if I'm I mean, not, it could be inaccurate, but <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Tyrese Maxey had the highest plus minus out of anybody, and Ben Simmons had the lowest. From from uh, my you knowledge, are, yes, you are correct. Yeah. So that's you know, <laughs> Ben Simmons has a lot to prove, uh, and from what, the the amount of years and the amount of playoff series and what we've gone through with him here and then you look at Tyrese Maxey who was just drafted a couple months ago uh it's it's crazy how how the tables will turn and I, this could be the last game we see Ben Simmons play uh if if hopefully it is not. if it is a loss hopefully not uh because I do want to win that championship and even if we win a championship we have to realize that next year will be different uh if you if you take away the ad injury you never know if you take away the Kyrie injury you never know if you take away Kawhi and the clippers or or chris paul i mean there's so many variables that have fallen into our lap and we've been very fortunate 
with, with what we've had, and we've blown leads. We've missed free throws. We've turned the ball over. We've missed wide-open layups. Uh, it, it doesn't – like, we've had defensive breakdowns. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It, like, it doesn't. And uh, <laughs> maybe it's Doc Rivers. Who knows? But uh, it's, it, it's hard to watch, and it's very frustrating – uh, we've had gut-riching losses twice already, and we still we still have a great opportunity to win this series, and uh, that's just 76ers basketball, classic 76ers basketball. Well, let, let's talk about some positives. So Seth Curry yes. Yes. had a had a, a great game again. He's had an incredible series. I think the real consensus around Twitter last night was it's still like mind blowing that he was traded for Josh Richardson straight up, and or not was a trade up. There was a pick somewhere involved in there, but. Still, I mean, an incredible trade. And Seth Curry, 8 for 14 from the field, 6 for 9 from 3, 24 points. It just seemed like whenever we needed a bucket from him, he would always deliver. It's not only three-point shooting. It's driving in and getting those short jump shots. Even he had a few floaters last night. He was looking like maxing some of the floaters. And then added on to that, Tobias, after having one of the worst games as he's been as a sixer, I think, with I think he had four points last night game he comes back and he gets 24 points and it felt like clutch Tobias again I mean he hit those clutch free throws he was just getting buckets again when he needed it to and the reason we needed him is because Embiid had another I wouldn't say off game but he only had 22 yeah 22 points um it still seems like an injury is kind of limiting him um it sucks to see because we won't really have any it's not like we're gonna have any rest so he can rest the injury I mean he's gonna have to keep playing and unless they just rule him out for a game like he wouldn't roll out for game seven, but for a game next series. But it seemed like the injury is limiting him. So with the injury limiting him, we need other players to step up. And Tobias stepped up this game. I said before the game, Tobias Harris is going to be the key to this game. When he steps up, we win games. That's the bottom line. And Seth Curry stepped up. Um, obviously, Max, he did. And then, I mean, that was pretty much it. But that's all you needed, considering you held the Hawks to 99 points. And you only had 104 points. But, yeah, I mean, Tobias did those clutch free throws at the end. Seth Curry went off in the second and the third quarter. You just need to keep feeding him. I mean, he's reminding me of JJ Redick at this point with Joel Embiid. They have, they're starting to gain their chemistry, and he'll be here next year too, so they can gain even more chemistry by then, having going through already two playoff series, maybe in three playoff series if they win the game seven. So I just want to look at some positives. Those three or those two were just incredible, and they won you this game. No doubt. I mean, Seth Curry is insane. Like his shot making ability uh, has has brought life to the team at times. And even now that we we go into the pick and roll, the two man game with him and Joel, the amount of attention that Seth brings when you have someone like Joel setting screens is actually kind of crazy. That they have to really push up on Seth in the two man game, and he's created a lot of open looks for other guys. And what you're saying about Tobias is totally correct because we've won games with bad Ben Simmons shooting. We've won games when Joel Embiid like is yesterday. injured. But yeah, when Joel Embiid is injured and when Joel Embiid is out of the lineup. We've won games when we've, when we've had the all-bench lineup. We've won games when our three-point shooters can't make shots. We have not won games when Tobias Harris does not show up. We mm-hmm. lose pretty much every single game. Tobias does not show up and, and, be, a, and be that secondary score. It just, it just doesn't happen. Like, like the, the, the game will be lost if Tobias is nowhere to be found. And Tobias, honestly, he started pretty horrific in the, in the last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first quarter, I was like, here we go. 
another classic Tobias. He got into foul trouble. Yeah, he got in foul trouble. He was missing shots. He was forcing things. And then he, the game started to slow, slow down for him. And he was, he was unstoppable from there on out. And hitting those clutch free throws was, was very, very big. Uh, him and Tyrese had two uh, very, very clutch uh, fr- pair of free throws that uh, pretty much seal- sealed the game for us. Yeah, I mean, that just goes back to Ben Simmons, who, like, in the clutch, you can't even have him in there. But either way, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I thought people were kind of overreactionary over Tobias over the last few games. People were saying, people were saying, oh, package him with Ben Simmons. And I'm like, we're still in game six. We're still in the series. Like, package him with Ben Simmons. Like, he hasn't been a borderline all-star this year. And speaking of that, I mean, my brother was saying last night that Seth Curry might be a borderline all-star next season. And I don't think that's that far-fetched. I mean, seriously. I could see him making a run at an all-star team. Obviously, you know, Tobias has been there, which would give us three or four borderline all-stars, depending on what happens with Ben next season, if he's still here. So, yeah. and I, I mean, there's nothing else to really say. I mean, those guys stepped up when Embiid was off, when Embiid was, look, still a little hurt. And, I mean, there's nights where Embiid's going to drop 40 and you're not going to need them, but tonight you needed them and you're going to need them against good teams. And if Tobias is having a bad game against the Bucks or the Nets, you're done for. Look. The way the way Tobias plays at a borderline All Star has really really helped us. If we can get Seth to do that, and I think Seth will be a big candidate really for most improved player next year. Uh, I mean he he he's he's playing with this type of confidence, and if he can bring it over, and we can implement a a two man game with him and Joel in the regular season, and he can be a score we can really rely on and become uh, one of the most confident. He's already one of the most confident shooters, but. Uh, if 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 he can become just absolutely knocked down uh, whenever we need him, especially in big moments, I really do think he'll make a push at the All Star. Spe- especially if we're really uh, competing for another for titles, like I believe we will, and we're the one seed. And you know how we how how the NBA voting and the coaches uh, they have one seed bias, so you never know if Seth Curry might sneak in. And uh, yeah, he, I feel like he's no longer Steph Curry's brother. Wow. Oh. He's made a name for himself on his yeah, own. He, like he's made a name for himself. He's no longer Steph's brother. So yeah, let, let me just say this is this is not related to Seth Curry, but I was going to talk about some talking about Maxi, but George Hill. I don't want to see him playing another fourth quarter minute for the rest of the playoffs, and maybe that's only going to be one game. But the fact that George Hill was playing in the fourth quarter over Tyrese Maxi over Matisse Thybul, I'd even have Ben Simmons with five fouls over over George Hill at this point. And I'm sorry, I don't, I don't like doing this to a player. I don't like singling out a player like this. But George Hill has been a horrid. He's been awful this entire series. Before the playoffs and in the regular season, I don't actually think he was that bad. And I thought when it came to playoff time, his, his veteran leadership would help you in the end and stuff like that. I don't know what it is. He played 20 minutes tonight. He was playing literally in crunch time until we ended up putting – I think we put Ben back in. I don't think he was playing in the, the guts of the game. I think Maxie and Ben were in. But I just saw him in there, and I was like – why would you not want Matisse in there right now? You have another defender. If you have to take Ben out until two minutes because the hack of Ben, then put Matisse in and you have someone to guard Trey Young. Obviously, they like Maxi's defense and Trey Young. But either way, this is about George Hill. I don't want to see – he can have minutes. He can have 10 minutes, 14 minutes. That's fine. But him playing in the fourth quarter, that is a bone I have to pick with Doc because that is just horrible to me. I don't understand what you've seen with George Hill right now that makes you believe he can play in crunch time and get you a bucket. Like he drilled a three this game that – like early in when he came in and that was it. That's all he did the entire game. I don't remember any him doing anything else well. And yeah. maybe I'm over exaggerating this. I don't think I am. He's just been 
awful. And I can't stand if he's out there in game seven in a close game in the fourth quarter, I'm going to be so angry about that. No doubt. Uh, George Hill, in my article this morning, I put out a, a game six recap and I said that he had a slight impact on this game that we haven't seen. And it was one singular three point made. That goes mm-hmm. to show you. He's done nothing. And in fact, he's actually hurt us a lot, especially with the all-bench with the uh, all bench lineup. George Hill has the keys to the offense, and things usually do not go very well. And that's it, – it's, it's tough to see, man. It's so tough in to a see. World, in a world where, where George Hill is playing 16 more minutes than Shake Milton, I don't know how that can happen. George Hill played five less minutes than Ben Simmons. Why is George Hill playing 20 minutes in a, in a winner, an elimination game in Atlanta? Like that just doesn't, I can't get it through my head. I just don't understand what the reason would be. I hope someone asked Doc about that. They didn't ask him about it last night. I hope in the press conference leading up to the game, someone asked Doc about George Hill. Cause I don't, I can't think of a single positive thing he did last night. And maybe even in the series, I don't know what he's done to help your team or showed you that you can keep playing him over and over again. I mean, I don't even think we saw a bench this game, if I can remember correctly. Maybe we did for a little bit. I can't exactly remember. But if he's the one leading your old bench lineup, that's going to be a quick 8-0 run for the other team, and you're going to have to put the starters back in. Yeah. Uh, he, he can't have the keys to the offense. He can't have the keys to the offense. No no question. Like, there's he turns the ball over. He does stupid things like in the pick and roll. He's not making the right passes. He's not, he's taking ill-advised shots. He's letting the shot clock run down. We're getting late shots that are not good uh, in the shot clock. It, I, I agree with you. He, he's been very bad and it's unacceptable what he's done. And I, I think it, uh, I think yeah. that Daryl Morey, go ahead. Wait, wait, you, you say, say what you're going to say about Daryl. Well, I was going to say that I think Daryl Morey deserves some of the blame here too because it's always a risk doing deadline deals as much as if you get an insane player, like a superstar player, like this wasn't deadline, but obviously James Harden, they got him earlier or later into the season before the trade deadline. It was only a few games in, but my point is it's harder for a player that gets traded to them at the trade deadline to accumulate, like get themselves uh, accumulated to the offense and Clearly, George Hill hasn't had that yet, and I think that's it. I think he just hasn't kind of inserted himself into the system yet, and he was injured for a lot after he got traded the Sixers too. So he only started playing for the last few games of the regular season. Not last few, but I don't know, last 15 games of the regular season, I'm estimating there. So I think – I just – I don't think the Sixers won that trade, which Daryl Moore made. And I loved the trade at the time. I thought it was going to be a great deal. But at this time, honestly, you could probably use three centers. I'm talking about Tony Bradley, of course – and I know he's kind of became like a kind of joker on the Sixers fan base. Everyone's saying because the whole Embiid thing, saying about building around Tony Bradley and how well he played when Embiid was out. But in all seriousness, he was good when he was in the Sixers. We saw it on the Thunder, too, if anyone paid attention. He was playing pretty well for the Thunder, too. And I think you could use three centers right now because sometimes Dwight is not playing well. He gets in foul trouble. Not even foul trouble. I mean, he gets like three fouls instantly, and you're just, he gets taken out. I mean, Dwight only played nine minutes this game. And with Embiid's injury, you need to limit him maybe, give him a little less minutes. You could put Tony Bradley in for five minutes and he could do a job there. So I just think – I don't. Darren Moore is a great GM. He's built this team. He's been insane. I just think he deserves – I think he deserves as much blame as Doc Rivers for this, to be honest. And obviously he's not telling him when to play him, but 
I just don't think this trade was one at all. I think it was a really bad trade in the end. Yeah, Tony Bradley was that guy for us when Joel was out, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, George Hill, it's almost like he's just he, he's not doing anything well for you. He's turning the ball over. He's making bad decisions. He's not good when he has the keys to the offense. And he's taking away from Tyrese Maxey at this point. There's no like there's, there's nothing he's doing right for us. And not only is he doing things wrong, we have someone that could play more minutes and be way more productive than him in, in, in this backup point guard role. Yeah, I just I just think it's been an overall really bad trade. And um and Shake But Milton, I mean I guess in the in principle yeah, go ahead about Shake. Yeah, Shake Milton I don't think he played five minutes last night. He played four minutes, nineteen seconds. Yeah. So I mean it's it's gonna be tough for someone of of George Hill's caliber to come in off off a uh, hand injury, whatever he had, and try and try and be a veteran presence when he's like I, I don't understand. Like if he's in the locker room trying to say stuff, I mean he's not even produ- making any type of production himself. So I'm not sure how his veteran presence is 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 helping us at this point. Yeah. Also, I mean, I think. We also we haven't really talked about the Hawks in general. I mean, I think one big thing to look for at Game Seven is uh, Bogdanovich's health. I didn't even see where he got injured, but I was just happened <clears throat> happened to be checking my phone uh, during a timeout, and I saw that Bogdanovich was ruled out, and he was out for the whole game. And I really don't like Bogdanovich, but he's been good this series. He only had seven points last game, but he's been good this series. I mean, when you look at Trey Young, he was absurd last game. He hit that insane three when. Maxi was playing really good defense on him. And he hit that step back three with the shot clock winding down. So I think Bogdanovich would be a huge, huge loss for the Hawks if he ended up being out for this game. And that's definitely something you have to look for to see what Nate Milling says about him today during practice, what, what the status is today. And I'm really going to be watching out for that because that would be a really big loss for the Hawks if Bogdanovich was not playing for game seven. Yeah, and even if he does play, he probably will be playing injured, and he hasn't even been making his shots since, what, the, the first three games. So Bogdanovich health, of course, will be a big issue, but if he does play, how how much can he do when he's on the court? Uh, maybe even a, a bigger story. And they've, I mean, they've got shooters. Kevin Herter was, uh, until about the fourth quarter, he was killing us. Uh, I, I was not too happy with the way we were guarding him and uh, Gallinari, man, he's always making big shots. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, it really makes me mad <laughs> that uh, we really don't have anyone to, to really counter that other than someone like Seth or maybe Furcon will make a shot here and there. But Tobias really hasn't even been hunting his three pointer uh, lately. Like he, like he did during uh, the, uh, the regular season. So yeah, it's we have to limit not just Trey Young, but more importantly than Trey Young, we have to stop their shooters. We can't have Trey Young have 18 assists again. We can't have Clint Capella uh, just feasting on offensive boards. We can't have John Collins uh, doing John Collins things, or, or, or Kevin Herter and, and Gallinari and Lou Will. Oh my God, Lou Will, uh, dude. <laughs> Yeah, he can't. He yeah. we can't have a Lou Will explosion. So it's not just Trey Young. And to to be honest, I, I don't think Trey Young should be the most of our worries 
uh, well, the, for, for us defensively. Because we know Trey Young is going to cook us. No matter what we do, Trey Young will get 30 or he will get 25 plus guaranteed. I'm going to do Charles Barkley right there. Like, like it will happen. All right. Well, we got to stop Lou. With the... We got to stop Lou. We got to stop Gallinari, Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich if he plays. Uh, it, it's, it starts after Trey. Yeah, I think that the problem with the Hawks shooters is that, and we've seen this the whole series, is that when they get hot and they're streaky and when they are hitting all their threes and like consecutive possessions, there's some nights where the Sixers can't match that. And not that the Sixers aren't a, aren't a good three-point shooting team, but they're definitely not as good as the Hawks. And if a guy like Furkan is cold, Tobias is cold from three, Seth is really never cold from three, but maybe if he misses a three, then you really don't have anyone else that can threes in your lineup. I mean, Joel has been pretty bad from three this series and was only one for four last game. It, I don't know. It just feels like he's all from three. Maybe that's because of an injury as well. But that's the real problem I'm looking – I'm thinking of in game seven is a scenario where either the Hawks start really fast or they start out in the second half or towards the end of the third quarter where they are hitting their shots incredibly consistently, consistently and the Sixers won't be able to match that on the other end. I think that is a possibility to happen – but, I mean, Kevin Herter played 44 minutes this game, and Trey Young played 40. So, I mean, they're probably going to play their starters in the same amount of time. Clint Capel and John Collins both played 37 minutes. And it's just – it is a worry to think about that scenario happening, them just being able to hit, hit, get hot from three at any time. But all the Sixers are going to have to do is just play what could play good defense on them. Like they've done – I think they did last game that pretty good in the fourth quarter. The Hawks really could not score at the end of the fourth quarter, besides from that Trey uh, step back three uh, when Maxie was guarding him. So that's my biggest concern for Game Seven. But I, I'm not gonna. I was about to say I'm gonna make a prediction, but I'm not gonna make a prediction. Yeah, um, I I think we'll win. I mean, we're favorites. Uh, honestly, I think that uh, it'll be another close one, like how Game Six was. But we, we are the better team in this series. I honestly, and the home court advantage. Yeah, and the home court advantage. I, don't, I, I really don't think there's any doubt that we're the better team. A lot of the games we've lost, we've been the better team. It's just uh, maybe it's getting off to an absolutely horrible start in game one or game four and five where we disappear. Uh, I think we've been the better team in basically every game this, this series. And that's not a stretch. And to say that we're going to game seven, it, it hurts a little, but we still, we, we have job that's not finished yet. And we have to go out and, and, and play to the best of our abilities and we have to make shots. We have, we, we can't turn the ball over. We win, we win this game, I think fairly easily doing simple basketball fundamentals. Nothing too yeah, crazy. I mean, we, yeah. Like the, the Hawks, yeah, the Hawks on the other hand, they have to make something happen really. Like we, all we have to do is take care of business, make our layups, shoot over, I'd say about 40% from behind the arc, make our free throws, make layups. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's gotta be high percentage looks uh, with, with minimal turnovers, but the, I mean, I feel like the Hawks, they have to have Trey Young uh, basically be God in human form and have uh, shooters go crazy and streaky. I mean, like you said, they're streaky shooters. They're, they're, they're like a baseball team getting hits, and they're like hits are contagious in baseball. You hear that all the time. Like their threes are contagious, and one guy makes a three, and then there's a pick and roll, and you see Trey, he'll knock down one, and then all of a sudden it's just a domino effect where 
it's, it's this guy making three. It was Gallinari, it's Herder, it's Bogdanovich, it's Lou Will. Then you got John Collins making threes. And that's when you're just like, oh, my Lord, how do we stop this? And then they'll slow down and they'll cool down and then we'll, get a, we'll be able to make our, our, our way back. So no lead is safe. Even if the Hawks are up 10, 15 in the second quarter, I would not be worried. Like, honestly, I honestly think if, if, they, if they get really hot in the beginning, I still think we have a chance to win. We just have to peak in the fourth quarter. And uh, we peaked in the fourth quarter in game one. It's just uh, it was a little too little too late. So I, I honestly well, think that we just have to peak at the right time. Well, I think that's exactly what happened last game. I mean, they started off well, really well. I mean, it was honestly, like, depressing. It just felt like the game yeah. was already lost there. Yeah, but I thought we were going out sad. Yeah, I know. It, it was literally – it was honestly sad, to be honest. And the game wasn't over, obviously. But do you think uh, – do you think that uh, Doc Rivers is going to change the starting lineup or no? I really hope he does. Uh, even if it's Matisse, I'd be happy. Furkan, it hasn't shown much. And I honestly think he's much better off the bench – and uh yeah i mean his defense is actually hor- horrific like he's had some pretty like nice defensive plays whether it's a block or a steal being right place right time but he cannot hang defensively uh i think i could cook for a con and <laughs> like like it is 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 defensively his, his movement is not good he's sliding all over the place if you put him in a pick and roll you might as well just chalk up three points uh for an automatic open three uh, it's it, it's pretty bad watching him play defense, but you can hide defense. They have to go at Furcon in, in order for that to happen, and they did it with Lou Will in in Game Five. But uh, yeah, I, I want to see Furcon off the bench being a catch and shoot guy, not a guy that we rely on to be in the starting lineup playing starter minutes. Yeah, I also think Furcon is another one of those guys, like kind of like Dwight, which we learned when Embiid was out, that he just plays well better off the bench. I don't think he's really built to be a starter. And I was okay with the decision when Doc started him after the Danny Green injury, but it's just kind of mad. I mean, you don't – if he's not on fire, you're not really getting points out of him. And then if you're not getting anything out of him on offense, then he's a liability on defense. So you're basically getting nothing out of him at all. And, I mean, he's not a horrible player. He's good off the bench. I just don't think – I think you do much better with Matisse, with Matisse starting or with Maxi starting. I also think Maxi would is also good off the bench, but if you're thinking about playing him 30 minutes again or even more than that, it shouldn't be a problem him coming off the bench. You should be able to start him. So yeah, and again, people say, like yeah, I said yeah. earlier, I don't think I don't think that Doc's gonna change the starting lineup, but I would like either of those two guys to be slotted in and I'd be I'd be happy. It won't make it won't I don't think it'll make or break the game. I don't think Furcon starting is gonna lose them the game, but because he didn't even end, he usually doesn't end the games anyway. Even if he starts, he didn't end the game last night. I don't think he ended the game in game five. I could be wrong about that, but um, yeah, I just don't. I really hope Doc changes the starting lap, but I don't think he's going to. Yeah, and people say that about, like you said about Tyrese, that they rather rather him have playing off the bench, and like, yeah, I get it. He's he's an energy spark guy, but you look at. You know, this is kind of out of context, but his best his best games are starts. Uh, but we've had literally had nobody in the starting lineup starting. But like he he's shown that he can he can start off the game strong, uh, starting and uh, carry it carry his momentum uh, th- throughout the entire four quarters, like the Denver Nuggets game, uh, the the seven six the seven, when we had seven players, uh, yeah, and then the uh, Orlando Magic game at the very end of the season when we rested all of our starters. 
So, I mean, he, he's shown that, I mean, that again, I mean, that's against NBA competition. It's not like the other teams resting their starters. Uh, and he, I think he's shown that he can carry momentum. Of course, the playoffs very, very, very different. But uh, from, what, from what I've seen, I would have no problem with him starting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think, I think you said it all there. The only other thing I want to say is that, and I, I hate saying this because it's such a little part about the game, but the one thing I want to say is the announcers of the game were god-awful. They were biased towards the Hawks. I'm not really sure why because a Game 7 would literally be better for their ratings, I guess, because Game Seven's on TNT, on TNT. but yeah. either way. It was just kind of ridiculous in general. And then the other thing I wanted to say was, I again, we won the game, so I don't like complaining about this, but the refs were pretty bad. I mean, the Sixers, a Sixers starter didn't go to the free throw line until I think it was the third. It was either the third or the fourth quarter. You might know that. Fourth quarter? Yeah, it was in the fourth quarter. Yeah. We didn't have I mean, a that's incredible. I mean, you have, a guy, you have guys that can draw free throws, and, and B got fouled like, I don't know, like, I'd, I'd estimate like seven times in the pain they didn't call it until finally in the fourth quarter he got a few trips to the free throw line. I think he only shot four free throws the entire game, which is like that has to be a close to a season low for him. And that's not because people are – Hawks fans are saying, oh, they're cracking down on his flopping. But no, he's just – they're just not calling fouls. I'm not sure what it was. I'm not sure. It's just – I mean, obviously NBA refs are bad. So, you, like, everyone says NBA refs are bad, so you can't you – can't, you can't leave the game down to the refs is what everyone says. You can't leave the game down to the refs, win it on your own, and you can't let the refs bad call make or break the game. It was just the entire game, the refs were just – the Sixers weren't going to the free throw line. It was Embiid most – most of it was Embiid getting fouled in the paint, getting mobbed, and then not getting a call for him. And then when Embiid got the double technicals on him and Collins, Embiid – that that whole like scuffle and beat all he did was get up and then John Collins dragged him all the way over there and beat had his hands out. I'm pulling my hands out right now. He had his hands out like this, showing that he wasn't trying to do anything. All he did was get up and John Collins pulled him towards the bench and then Trey pushed him. I don't think Trey got anything off that. Trey literally pushed him twice and no other Sixers player did anything. I mean, I don't know if any of them coming off the bench. No, a, a Hawks, player, the bench, a Hawks but... player Bruno Fernando came off the bench. <laughs> but did it, he get ejected? I don't know. But like, I, I I remember seeing Bruno. Didn't say that in the box score. No, but I I remember seeing Bruno Fernando come off the bench. I mean, it wouldn't matter if he got ejected. He's not even sniffing playing. But yeah. uh, yeah. I, I going back to what you said about the commentators. I'm like a commentator guru. Like if people know me or, or see me on Twitter, I'm always critiquing commentators. I've ranked commentators multiple times, and uh, yeah, this it's something that I want to get into. Uh, I'm doing play-by-play radio for uh, for a, a lot of things coming up in in the next year for basketball, and there's a lot of things in play-by-play that are that can go right. Like I, honestly, like bias coverage is the best thing that's happened to commentary, and, and it's once you get used to it, national TV sucks, and it's it, it was really bad. Like Hubie Brown's like barely hanging on. Uh, for dear life, and I feel bad for him. He was a wonderful coach, but uh, I, I don't really like listening to him and his thoughts about my team. It kind of pisses me off. And, uh, yeah, just I don't even know who the – like, I know a lot of commentators, and I didn't even bother to know who was commentating the game. Uh, Dave Pash. Yeah, it means he's he's not even good. I, I'd rather Ryan Rucco or, or someone uh, from ESPN. Mike Breen. Or, well, of course, Mike Breen, but I doubt a Sixers-Hawks going to get a uh, – a game 
with with Mike Breen, but maybe Eastern Conference Finals. I do our, our Eastern Conference Finals are they on are they on TNT that you know of? I think they're on both. I think I think ESPN is the finals, but I or ABC is the finals. But I think yeah. I think the Eastern Conference Finals are on both TNT okay. and both. ESPN. But I can check on that right now. Right, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I love a Mike Breen. I like the Knicks. I always watch the Knicks uh, broadcast when I can because I love Mike Breen. He's he's one of the goats of of commentary. I love Ian Eagle, who's actually uh, he did the. Uh, Clippers and Jazz game five, and then the Clippers and Jazz game six was done by Mike Breen. So I thoroughly enjoyed those games, and they were great games too, both of them. Uh, and the, like, mm-hmm. the commentators have such a big impact on on your enjoyment level of the game, which I love Mark and Allah so much. And uh, yeah, it's like bad commentators uh, usually uh, are team are are on teams that are bad because it's uninspired commentary, and nobody nobody likes that. And you look at a team that's mediocre and they have really good commentators. You have the utmost respect for them, like like the Hornets. I mean, there hasn't been much yeah. to cheer about. They finally get a good good year, and uh, they they have one of the most. They, I mean, Del Curry is, is is great color, and and they have one of the best play by play guys. And like I feel like the Canada they breed commentators. Like they're hockey. Like if you watch the the Canadian version of any hockey game, the com- commentary is a million times better. Uh, than what NBC Sports would would produce, but that's just my little tangent on commentating. But yeah, like you said, <laughs> it was it, it was very bad. And I get like rooting for the under un, rooting for the underdog a little. Uh, and I, the like, home the home crowd yeah, does a part crowd. of it as well. Yeah, yeah. I un, I understand that, but uh, yeah, like I even tweeted once where Matisse got a really really good block on Clint, and they were like, "Oh, Clint wide open dunk, he missed it, no foul called." I was like, "What, what are you talking about?" <laughs> Literally went in there. Yeah. And, swatted the ball away from from Clint Capella and keep in mind Matisse Seibel is about six inches shorter than Clint and yeah it's it's some things just just make me mad like that and uh I I'm gonna put on uh Tom Tom McGinnis on game seven if uh the commentary is just is bad yeah well I want to say that I was wrong the entire Eastern Conference Finals regardless of who's playing in it, is going to be TNT. Yeah, that's they're what, all that, at eight, They're all 830 games on TNT. The first game would be on Wednesday, which is obviously Philly or Atlanta versus Brooklyn slash Milwaukee. And there's usually one game of rest between the games. So I was wrong about that. But game seven is on TNT. So, so we, I'm hoping our last that it's chance. not – Yeah, so we won't – we'll get um, Mike Breen if we, only if we make the finals. Yeah, I'm hoping that <laughs> – Game seven is not Marv Albert, but I'm kind of feeling it will be. No, well, I guess the Marv Albert will do tomorrow or today's game. No, Marv Albert will do our uh, Eastern Conference Finals if we make it, dude. Because that's when he's retiring. So we have to we have to endure the pain one last time, and then it's gone forever. Which uh, Marv Albert, I mean, phenomenal, absolutely great commentator, incredible longevity. Uh, but the last, you know five, six, seven, eight years has uh, not been decent for a minute. And uh, like TNT production, when they didn't have commentators at games and they was like going through, uh, I don't know what they were doing, like a Zoom and commentating the games remotely. I mean, the production was god-awful. Well, yeah, because the, cause the, this is a tangent, but it's because the, the commentators are on Zoom, so they're not in the same place, so they're delayed. And the same yeah, thing happened yeah. with college basketball on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, they're delayed. And uh, also, like, you know, Marv Albert 
he he's going like he's losing connection and then you got reggie miller call, call reggie miller calling play by play and you're like oh come on reggie uh, like it's it gets it gets very uh very bad and so well, let me just say if you have if you if there's a way that you can sync up any of you if there's a way you can sync up the radio with your tv and listen to the radio i'd recommend that 10 out of 10 times more than listening to local sixers radio instead of whoever's commentating the game, unless it's Mike Breen, then you listen to the TV. But if it's anyone else, I'm, I'm listening to the radio if I can. Yeah. I usually have like, I have my Alexa, Alexa next to my TV and I tell her to play 97.5, the fanatic. And then I'll just try and like pause my TV or fast forward my TV to get it synced. But the problem is with that, like every commercial break, it kind of changes. So you have to see my Alexa's going off now my room but uh yeah it's it almost tried to play 97.5 the fanatic that's kind of crazy but uh i uh yeah it's uh that that's that's the type of thing that you have you have problems with when you try to sync the the uh the radio with with the tv is that every time they come back from a commercial break the timing's different it it makes me mad you have to redo it all over again so if there was a good way to sync radio (laughs) and uh and the tvs someone let me know dm me on twitter or something i need to know this Especially, especially if we make it to the Eastern Conference Final, I do not want to listen to more about it for that many yeah, game. I think it's just. I mean, I think it just goes to your enjoyment of the game. To be honest, and with Sixers fans already not being in a good mood going into this game, obviously by the end of it we were in a good mood, but already going into it kind of being negative, just having a commentator who is going crazy over Trey Young, like doing like a simple layup and doing a his floater like he always does, like. That did not help at all, to be honest. And I know they're doing their job. It's just I felt there was a little bias there. And there were, I'm not going to show examples, but there are a few quotes that were said. Uh, I thought in specifics, um, their reaction to Joel Embiid, uh, in quote, I'm putting in quotes, is injuries. When he ever he fell to the ground, it was, oh, is he hurt? Oh, he looks like he's getting slow to get up. He might be. He looks like he might be hurt. Keep an eye on this. So it's just like, I don't really, I, I just kind of. That just makes me angry. It's a pet peeve. It's kind of just maybe yeah. it's a, maybe it's a dumb thing to complain about. It just it just hurts my enjoyment of the game, to be honest. And I wish Mark and Ola could commentate the conference finals or any other series. This series, the finals, but fortunately, it doesn't work like that. So yeah, and uh, it's yeah, it, it's bad. And the way that it the uh, TV money, they they're they're greedy, and they'll they'll do whatever it takes to have sole possession of nationally televised games and uh yeah they, they just need to be better commentators more i mean it, and you gotta you gotta hold commentators accountable uh because it's not supposed to be the hawks broadcast like yeah if i wanted to watch the hawks broadcast i would turn into them like game 36 hawks raptors uh <laughs> like like the, not not game six of the eastern conference semis but yeah i mean i'm not looking i'm not really looking forward to this tnt uh broadcast what we get i'm gonna have to uh struggle with syncing the radio to the tv and i'm probably end up gonna gonna be behind like on the tv uh about like by 15 10 seconds so you gotta you gotta wish me luck with that one uh i hope it works out i'm probably just gonna listen to the tv to be honest but um the last thing i guess we can talk about is the bucks first nets if you want to yeah just uh game seven tonight one of the most anticipated series uh, that we've had. 
and it's going back and forth, back and forth. We finally got it to the pinnacle of Game 7. Milwaukee, they showed out. They took, they took care of business after a KD explosion in the game prior. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that uh, I think that, are, that were bad for the Nets. Like Jeff Green, I don't think he can keep up his production. Uh, they're lacking a, a lot of shooting because Joe Harris hasn't been good. And uh, yeah, the Milwaukee are, they, they seem to be like playing really good basketball. Uh, let's see, I, I'm not sure how much the Barclays Center will affect anything, but yeah, the home crowd needs to be a, a, a big factor for the Nets. But I think this will be a very, very good game, and I, I can't pick a winner. Yeah, I was about to say that. I don't think I can make a prediction, to be honest. I mean, it's just been like the definition of a back and forth series. I mean, the Bucks are the sorry that that yeah the Nets went up two zero without James Harden. Then you got the Bucks coming back and winning three straight, and then you have the Nets with or sorry I, I had that mixed up, but you know what I mean. So it's been back and forth the entire series, and the Nets have been banged up. The Bucks haven't they have Dante Vincenzo out obviously, but they haven't really been banged up as to, so to say. But they've been inconsistent at times. I mean. When their three-point shooters aren't hitting shots, you've seen them getting blown out, even when the Nets don't have Harden or Kyrie. Katie's been in, in this entire playoffs, but Harden or Kyrie are mixed to both of them or one or the other. So I don't think – I think Kyrie's already been ruled out for game seven. So he's not going to be in there. We don't know when he's ever even going to come back, even if they advance. But right. Harden, I don't know what he's going to look like this game, but last game we really didn't give them that much of a boost. I mean, the last two games he's kind of just looked – He's kind of just looked, I mean, incredibly injured. Not injured, but he just looked like he's playing through the injury, which kind of sucks to see because James Harden, we hide him such, we hold him to such high standards, and seeing him like this, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird, to be honest. But you know James Harden. He can always be dangerous. You can't forget about him. You always have to guard him. So that just leads another factor to the game. You know, they have to focus on him still. They can't just ignore him. So that maybe leaves more open for KD. That maybe leaves open for Joe Harris or Blake Griffin or – even Bruce Brown, to be honest, they can hit they can hit their shots. I mean, especially Joe Harris, even bad this series, but he can hit the shots sometimes. You know, we've seen it before. So I think this game is gonna come down to first off the health of James Harden, because I don't think Katie Anzone will be able to win this game, even if it's in Brooklyn. I mean, I don't think that gives him too much of an advantage, but even if it's in Brooklyn, I think it's gonna come down to James Harden's health on the net side and just the Bucks ability to hit three pointers, to be honest. I mean Literally, that's what most of their games come down to is how consistent are they behind the arc or how is Chris Middleton playing or how, how consistent is he hitting th- his threes or how is Giannis playing. And it's just – that's just simple to say, but it just is the fact – the fact of the matter is it's just they need to hit their shots to win their games. And when they're not consistent from three, I mean, the games get ugly quick. We've seen the Nets go up by 20 or so, I mean, at halftime and early early in games, even without uh, Harden and Kyrie. So – uh, I think it's going to be a close game, though. I, I do think the Bucks are going to be shooting well. I think the Nets are shooting well. I think KD is going to have another big game. Uh, I think some role player for the Nets is probably going to step up, but I couldn't tell you who at this point. It's kind of impossible to predict. But uh, no, I'm not. I, I don't think I can make a prediction. If I'm predicting something, I think the Bucks are going to win, but uh, I I don't want to say that for sure because I I have no idea. But you can write that down. Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to win. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, has the home team won every game this series? Uh, I think I think you're right. Yeah. So you could either you could go two directions with that. You could say, well, the Nets are going to win because they're the home team. And the home team hasn't lost. Or you could say, 
the road teams do for a win. <laughs> Basically, it's it's like a stats that exist but don't matter, kind of. But uh, well, I don't think that's. I think that's more. I don't think that's like. I think that's more of a coincidence than actually. Yeah, something. like I, mean, I don't for think the it really, Bucks I, ended probably is something, but I, I I just don't. I don't. I don't like saying this, but I just don't think the Nets crowd really makes that much of a difference. No, the game the game isn't going to be won because of who's playing at home. I don't think. Uh, but yeah. I think the Nets they had to give them a lift. Uh, even if, like it, any lift they give, it, it won't matter too much. The better team will win no matter what happens. Uh, I'm leaning towards Nets. I think Kevin Durant is uh, oh. obviously a phenomenal player, making his case for best player in the world. Uh, I, I think that the the, Net, the Nets are a hungry team. They haven't come this far for nothing. But uh, I just, you know, Giannis, what can he produce in a game seven where the lights are the brightest? What can, what can Chris Middleton do? Uh, can he make his shots? He's been known to go cold in, in moments like these. So it, there's a lot of variables with this game. Um, like like you said, you don't want to make a prediction, but if you had to, you'd say Bucks. I'd say Nets. So there we go. But uh, yeah, that's oh you you want to talk about this uh, Jazz Clippers? Um, I was having fun last night after uh, the Jazz got eliminated. Uh, was, yeah, I want to be. If I'm gonna talk about it, I want to be as unbiased as possible. So I'm not gonna nah, screw go on about the Jazz and about okay. Well, all right. Well, let me just say, I don't like the Jazz. I think they were overrated all year. Um, but, and I don't like Rudy Gobert. I think he robbed Ben Simmons defense player year, which is funny to look at now how much people are hating on Ben Simmons, but either way, he still deserved it. And that was a really, the whole series was just a complete choke from the jazz. And especially in that game, I mean, I, I think 25 point lead in the third quarter and the Clippers behind Terrence Mann of all people. I mean, obviously Maybe for a casual NBA fan, you didn't – I don't want to say casual, but if you're not a huge NBA fan, you don't know who Terrence Mann is. And he comes out of nowhere and drops, what was it, 39 points or something like that? I yeah. mean, he went on a, a huge streak where he scored like 10 points in a row for them. He was dunking on Rudy Gobert in the beginning of the game. I mean, I Paul George stepped up as well. Reggie Jackson has been an underrated piece this team the entire year, and you saw what he did. He had, I think, more points than Paul George this game. And – for the Jazz, I mean, it was just a complete collapse. Rudy Gobert had a horrible game. He hadn't, he didn't really have a good series at all, to be honest. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley were clearly hurt. Even though Donovan Mitchell dropped, I don't know what it was, 30-plus points. Uh, Mike Conley didn't do too well. He was definitely hobbled. He didn't look healthy. Donovan Mitchell at points didn't look healthy. Um, but the Clippers, without Kawhi, he could be out for the entire season. We don't know, or the rest of the playoffs. Without Kawhi, Paul George stepped up. Terrence Mann stepped up, Reggie Jackson stepped up, and they're not a pushover. I mean, the Suns and the Clippers, that's going to be a fun series. And uh, if I were to bet on it, I'd bet on the Suns winning just because of Kawhi injury. But, I mean, from what you've seen with the Clippers, you can't count them out at all. Yeah, I, I told you when they went down uh, 2-0 that the Clippers are a weird team, and this series is far from over, and the Clippers are now one two straight, being down 0-2. Uh, yeah, I was wrong about that one. <laughs> uh yeah I, I i knew that uh the jazz couldn't keep hitting their shots forever and uh the five out by uh by by ty Lue to to make that adjustment and and put five out against uh rudy gobert make him useless and in a playoff series like he is every year 
it was it was good. It was good coaching adjustment. Something Doc Rivers couldn't do. Doc Rivers failing to do that here. But Tyloo, you got to give credit to Tyloo. Of course, I would like to you know take the back of my coach. But uh, yeah, it's it, you have to give him credit. And the Clippers showed up without Kawhi. Uh, and this is a worse blown lead the Jazz did than we did, uh, just because of the situation where it's an elimination game. The other team doesn't have their best player, and they blew it away in in literally one quarter. Uh, kind of similar to what we did, but going into the fourth quarter, they were down or they were what, up by one point. So yeah, it's a uh, they it, blew it, it earlier than we did. Yeah, they blew it earlier, and then they couldn't regain. They never had any type of momentum in that game into like after about three and a half, three and a half minutes left in, in the third quarter, it, they were done after that. Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, uh, incredible, incredible efforts there. Well, I mean, Rudy Gobert was a minus 24 and I don't want to keep piling on it, but a minus 24, I mean, he played 42 minutes at that point. He's a complete liability. And you're not going to uh, take the, him out, but there's, there's I don't no know. Way. The only been a, yeah, the only way for them to win that game is if they they uh, took Ru- they took Rudy out. If they took Rudy out, I think they would have had a better chance of winning the game. But I, you know they're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean they they would have to put like Royce O'Neal at the five and play uh, Bogdanovich. But like no, I don't even think Favors would have helped that much. They need they need another perimeter player who who is physical so if they put like Royce O'Neal at the five and then like uh Bogdanovich and Clarkson and Conley and Mitchell that type of lineup I feel like might have been better than putting Rudy out because they had to go small because that was the only way uh they could counter the five out by the Clippers yeah I mean it was just an embarrassing collapse the entire series for the Jazz and um I'd say they'll be back I don't know if they'll be the one seed again but they should be back uh, next year uh, with pretty much the same team, to be honest. I don't know how what else they would do with the team. They're not really going to – Yeah. they're not trading Donovan Mitchell like people were trying to say. They're not doing that. They're not getting rid of Rudy Gobert. They'll have pretty much the same starting five next year, probably add a few bench pieces, maybe make a few trades, maybe try to no, I, load I don't around think, some trades. But their roster – they have a good roster. I just yeah. don't know. It's every single year in the playoffs, it seems that some, pl- some of their players just get exposed. And – it was a lot of injuries this year as well. I mean, I'm not going to like ignore that. They had a lot of injuries, but that didn't stop them from being able to win this series. There's the, the Clippers injuries too. Yeah. I don't think Mike Conley will be back there next season. Uh, just, oh, okay. but uh, other than that, they'll, they'll have a good team, but I, I never, I'll never until Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert takes that step. I, I don't really see them as, as real title title contenders. I don't really know what step Rudy Gobert can even take from here. I mean, no, I think he's I mean, reached he, his peak Yeah, right he, he's reached his peak. He's always going to be an offensive liability. He's going to be really, really good rim protector. Uh, he's going to set hard screens. Um, I mean, even his rebounding is not as good as, I, as people say it out to be. And, uh, yeah, you can take him out of the game. You can take a three-time defensive player out of the game and make him a defensive player liability by making one simple switch just think about that they'll never do it but maybe i don't know i it's kind of crazy to think about but it probably would help in this game anyways is that it we're gonna do the phillies lost uh they, they got two more games with the giants right 
in this. Yeah, two more games of the Giants. And is, is, does that round up their West Coast trip? I haven't been looking at the Phillies at all this week, really. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would wrap up the uh, West Coast trip, I believe. Yeah, it would, because they, they go, back, um, go back home and play the Nationals uh, at home. But last night, I didn't watch until fifth or sixth inning, but I said, I mean, I said publicly that that last night was basically a must win for them because the Mets lost and they could have gained another game on them. But again, Vince Velasquez had a terrible second inning. Um, Andrew Knapp made like five catching errors. And I don't want to go on about this too long because we've, we've been recording for a while and I don't want to talk about the Phillies, but the Phillies had an off day after a game against the Dodgers and they're playing the Giants. And for some reason, JT Romuto was benched for a non-injury. And he came in in the seventh inning. So he wasn't injured. He literally was getting a rest day. In, in, I'm putting in quotes again. He was getting a rest day. But he, they, they just had an off day after a game against the Dodgers. Like, they don't, he doesn't need another rest game. He, they, have two, they have two days, two games after this. And then they, have a series, then they have another off day before the series against the Nationals. He does not need a rest game. I promise you that. You need your, best, your second best hitter in the lineup when you're playing the Giants, who are a good offense, that they're going to score runs. And that could be the difference in the game. Because I know you didn't watch, but Andrew Matt made like three catching errors. And I believe the second inning it was the second or third inning. He made like three catching errors. And that basically was the difference in the game. And I mean, without Segura in your lineup, it kind of puts a, put a whole, puts a whole wrench into it. And, and Didi. So you kind of got these guys like Luke Williams and Ronald Torres and Brad Miller having to play every single day. So the, Bats are kind of – it's kind of an issue considering your only runs this game were two home runs from Oduble and uh, Kutch. So, they have to take a game for the Giants. I know they're the best – or technically the best team in the – I think they're the best best record in the National League right now. But you have to take a game for them at least. I mean, you took a game for the Dodgers, so I'm confident. You have Noel on the on the mound today, so you should be able to win with Noel pitching. I'm not exactly sure the pitching matchup is for game three, but I'm pretty sure it's not as favorable. So – if you're in a series where you're playing the Giants, but you miss Kevin Gosman, you have to win a game, at least a game. Win the next two games, you could potentially gain in the Mets because the Mets play a doubleheader today. So that could potentially see another loss for them. I didn't check the pitching matchup there either, but you could see another loss for them. This is where you need to start gaining in the Mets. If the Mets lose, you have to win. You can't keep losing when the Mets win. And you're never going to be able to gain in them because – they're not going to lose games like this all year. They're still a little injured, and they're playing the Nationals. I mean, they're not going to lose many games to the Nationals. So – it's it's tough with having Segura out and having Andrew Knapp in this lineup for some reason, but it's kind of the same stuff's happening. I mean, the manager's not doing great right now. The hitting's inconsistent, and the defense is bad. It's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't watch the Phillies game, and uh, of course – the Mets just seem to keep winning for no reason. And it's, it, it, I mean, you guys are what, four and a half back now? But yeah, in reality, you're what, what, eight, nine in the loss column? Like, so, I mean, I, the Braves, before they won the last two, I know we were about five, six games back, but we were like 10 in the loss column. So I think the Phillies and Braves, in order to catch up with the Mets, they need a, a 10, a, like a, a stretch of 10 games where they go like eight and two. Or something. Well, I think it, I think it comes down in general just to the series with the Mets. I mean, the Phillies have, I believe, a four-game series coming up with the, against the Mets. They have like a series coming up. I don't know if it's three or four games, but that's in the end to me is what it's going to come down to. Just those series against the Mets. I mean, if you're winning 
if you're winning four, uh, this would, wouldn't happen, but if you win a four-game series against the Mets, you're gaining eight games on them. I mean, that's an incredible amount of, uh, incredible amount of games, especially considering you're, whatever, 4.5 games back and the Braves are 5.5 games back. I don't know when they play the Mets, but, yeah, we, I mean, we after played the Nationals series, the, the Phillies have a two-game series against the Nationals. Then they have another off day. Then they have a, a, a doubleheader against the Mets in, in a four-game series. So they have two games on Friday – and then Saturday, Sunday, they play the Mets. I mean, if you can get three or to four there, two or even a split there would be huge. I mean, huge. The Braves, so they've got two more games against the Cardinals, and then they go and play a, a series in New York uh, against against the Mets. So, like, the, I mean, they have a four game, and then they're and then we have another four game, and then like so we have well we have a four game, and then a four game with the Reds, and then a three game with the Mets. So our, after the Cardinal series, which we have two more games in this one, two out of the next three series against the Mets. So this is, this is a big uh, stretch of two, oh, a week and a half, two weeks of, of Braves baseball and, and for Phillies baseball as well, just to, just to get up there and, and, and try and compete for the division title. Because uh, I know for a fact, I do not want to see the Mets run away with it and they're capable. And as soon as they get healthy again, it seems like they could really, uh, take take it all, take it pretty much away, and there's nothing we can do about it. But yeah, I mean the Braves bats are getting hot. I I went um, I went Thursday night to the game, and uh, yeah, it, it was good. It was a good good win, much needed win. Uh, I mean we're finally finally something's happened where our pitching is not like absolutely sucking and and falling apart. I mean we pretty much had a. I was watching a Charlie Morton no hit bid until. Uh, seven and two thirds innings. So yeah, I mean, and then we 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 were we were pitching Jacob Webb as our closing pitcher last night just because we were up with nine one, and uh, I mean, in nothing, nobody was harmed, nobody was hit in the head. Uh, so, so I mean, it's it, it it's it's finally starting to to come together, and this has happened a couple of times. I mean, we we've we've came together. We're like we're gonna go on a run, and then something just drastically happens. Like we lose two walk-offs uh, to the Phillies after beating the Dodgers in a series. And it just, it just seems to happen. Like we had a really good series against the Nationals and then we, we blow it against Miami and, or, and we blow it against Arizona. Like we lost a series to Arizona uh, on the road and they just broke the com- most consecutive road losses. Right. So uh, it, it's there's a lot of good things that have come out of the Braves, but there's also once they get like in, in, in a trending like uh, when they once they start trending up, just things go downhill very fast. Yeah, I mean, uh, literally, I, as we speak, the Phillies just put Andrew Knapp on the injured list after one game starting. So that really shows you how how solid he was last night. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. Either way, if you want to make the playoffs, you're going to have to win the division because you're not making the wild card with the no. um, the teams in the NL West. And now the NL Central, I mean, that race has gotten a lot closer. And now the Reds are on fire and the Brewers and the Cubs are – I believe the Brewers are one game back from first from the Cubs. And um, the Cardinals, once they get healthy or once they just become more solid like they were at the beginning of the season, they're going to probably be up there as well. And then yeah, the Pirates are not in there. But I think the Cardinals the teams, are – Three teams in the NL West. What? The Cardinals are, are fourth place, I think, but five hundred. Yeah, they are. And they're, they're in fourth place. And they're and they're five hundred even. Uh I don't I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I know they're in fourth place. Yeah, the I mean it's uh 
that that's it's gonna take one in the division. So there's gonna I feel like there's gonna be a good team uh, in in this NL East to to miss out and just because of the slow start that pretty much every team had. And uh, I really like there's been so many injuries in this division alone that it, it's been it's been crazy. And like the teams that have stayed relatively healthy have been the, like the Nationals and then the Marlins who weren't competing for a division title anyway. So yeah, that I think we'll, we'll come back to this conversation in a couple in a couple of weeks once uh, the Phillies and Braves have had their four game series with the Mets, so we can really dissect of how we think the the rest of the uh, season w- with this division will play out. Yeah, and I know um I know that probably with especially well not even if the Sixers advance the people will probably be not focusing on the Phillies at all. So we know that we know that probably. Not many people care about the Phillies right now, but I think it's still worth to talk about. And obviously, when it comes to the Eastern Conference Finals, if they advance there, we wouldn't really talk about it. But, you know, I mean, right now, they're, the Phillies are probably in the biggest stretch of their season, and I guess the Braves would probably be the same thing. I don't know about yeah. the Mets, but the Phillies and Braves are probably in that right now. So, um, yeah, they're frustrating to talk about, but uh, hopefully they can take a game this weekend and – get some momentum going back home to the uh, national series. That's all right. Here. That's, that's where we'll wrap it up. Uh, it's, it's been a good episode. We, we went pretty long, went on a tangent, but that's all right. Uh, looking forward to game seven. We'll be back here previewing an Eastern conference finals. As Hopefully. That's all right. That sounds Peace. good.